0: You're listening to audio from Embassy Church. We exist to advance the message and ministry of Jesus in the city of Bloomington, on the campus of IU, and to the ends of the earth. How you guys doing this morning? Ooh, I like that. Yeah, she said, my name's Ernie. I'm not from Cincinnati. I'm from Louisiana. Me and Chris, or Critter, as I've known him my entire life, have uh, grown up as friends from Louisiana and got through these crazy ways, brought us into the same network, planting churches a year apart, a couple hundred miles away from one another. And and so it is, I actually had the opportunity to come about a year ago, a year and a half ago, and teach when y'all were at the graduate. And now I'm here again, and we had him a couple of weeks ago come teach at, at Mercy Hill so we're taking photos of everything and being like, what's different? That looks a little different. I like that. What are you doing? So if you see me asking weird questions, I'm just trying to figure it out, you know? And so, but it is, it is great to be here with you this morning. And, and by the way, I just want to say something about your, your, your lead pastor, Credder. Um He is an incredible man of God. And I, I count myself very blessed to have him as a friend. And last night, we were hanging out till too late for a guy that just had a baby to hang out. The thing that we were talking about was you guys. He's just talking about how he loves his church. He's talking about, man, how much he wants to see transformation in his people's lives. And just, that's just what goes on in his heart and mind all the time. So if I could just lend anything to you, anything that, if you even remember anything, this is like, listen to the lead shepherd that God's given you. He has your best interest in mind and he really loves you. Yeah. So I drove through the snow to get here. You know what snow makes me think of? Christmas. You know what Christmas makes me think of? how How much Thanksgiving gets the raw end of the deal. Because it's not even Thanksgiving yet. Some of you are like, thank you. It's like, Thanksgiving is the best holiday. Because nothing is expected of you as a father. I have three kids. I cook food. I eat it. I have a food coma watching football. The kids do whatever they want. I don't care anymore. It's done. Christmas is a whole to-do, and it costs a ton of money. And so for those that are looking to Christmas already, you're wrong. You're missing the best holiday. But also when I think about Christmas, I think about New Year's. And y'all were talking about not meeting on New Year's and all that. And, And whenever I think about New Year's, that's like one of the days I dread the most because my wife loves making resolutions, and she's good at keeping them. And like five days in, like by January 5th, I've already forgotten what mine are. You know, it's just—it's over. It's done with. And I understand why people do it because many of us look at us and go, "Hey, I didn't like Ernie 2022. There's some things that are pretty shabby about that. I, maybe Ernie 2023 will be a bit better if I start getting in shape, running. I'm not going to do any of these things. Eat, you know, right? Like all these lists of stuff I'm not going to do. But if you're really idealistic, if I did do it, it ends up what happening for most people. I'm assuming that I'm like most people that we make these big, lofty goals about how we want to be different and how we want to be, and how we're going to do it on our own ability, and how we're going to do it through discipline. And then a couple weeks in, you realize you're not doing any of those things. You just kind of feel worse about yourself, you know? I think that kind of relates to many of us, how we think about growing physically. We also think about that spiritually. That many of us have a moment, we go to a camp, or we have a men's retreat, or there's something that happens, or someone maybe loves you enough that they tell you, hey, there's something not right with your walk right now. And you have this moment, you're like, yeah, I need to do better. I'm gonna do better. And you make the plan and you walk after it and you chase after it. And some two, three weeks after that moment, you're back kind of where you just started. And now you're just feeling shame and frustration that you can't do the Christian life that you want to do. It leaves you in this really weird place i got one more story before we get to the text that kind of relates to this one. It's about Lion King. I'm like, Ernie, how is that going to relate? Like I said, I have three kids, a nine-year-old, a six-year-old, and a three-year-old. And because I've had three kids, I always know what the next movie, my youngest, the spoiled one, is going to want to watch next or be obsessed about. And we're right on the verge of Lion King. And Lion King, if you haven't seen the story, it's your fault. It's like 20 years ago when it came out. But Lion King, this is the story. It's about a little little lion named Simba, who's like the son of the king. And one day, his uncle, whose name is Scar, kills Mufasa, his dad, and then gets Simba to blame himself for it. It's a little dark for Disney. (laughs) Disney goes pretty hard in this movie. And so he runs away. And if, if you know the story, he finds these two people, you know, Timon and Pumbaa, one's a meerkat that can't be alone, and the other one you don't want to be downwind of, and they're just hanging out, and they teach him a word, because you can see that he's sad, they say, "akuna Matata, and they have this great song that we all memorized when we were kids, and listened to it, that was amazing, but the message of it was, hey, it doesn't matter that you didn't measure up, it doesn't matter that you didn't be the person you thought you were going to be, it doesn't matter, nothing matters, in fact. See, the story of Akuna Matata is like, it's the other end where we don't shame ourselves, but we say, hey, nothing really matters. It doesn't matter. I'm just going to give up. I'm just going to lean into it. And you end up living for so much less than what God had for you. In fact, you end up being like Simba, eating bugs and saying, slimy, but satisfying. And so when we can't make it over here by pulling ourselves up by our own bootstraps, we begin to just say, hey, it is what it is. This is as good as it's going to get. And we settle for so much less than what God has for us. See, I think this story resembles us as well. Just two extremes. One, we're trying to do the Christian life on our own, by our own power. And the other one, we've just kind of given up. And we're just kind of showing up. I think God has more for us than that. In fact, the passage we're going to look at this morning in 2 Corinthians 5 really points to some realities that we need to grab hold of, that who we are has more to do with what we're going to do. It's not what we're doing is going to make us who we are. See, what changes us is not what we do. It's who God says we are. And so we look at 2 Corinthians 5. We're going to start in verse 14. There's three we are statements that we're going to be going through, and we'll be going through them as we get through the passage. But first, let's pray. Jesus, thank you so much for the opportunity to gather as the people of God to make much of you. God, I ask as we look into the Word that you would begin to reveal the things that are true about us and true about you. God, I ask that we would enter into it unguarded, that it would have its way with our lives, and we would walk out of this room transformed not because of a speaker or because of a gathering, but because the Word of God bears fruit in our life. And so I pray that would be true this morning for these men and women and for me. Amen. Okay, we're going to jump right into it. 2 Corinthians five fourteen says, For the love of Christ controls us, because we have concluded this, that one has died for all, therefore all have died. And he died for all, that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. From now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and the the new has come. Here's the first we are statement. We are transformed by love. In fact, what Paul says to the Corinthians right now is that you're not just transformed by it, you're controlled by it. He said, look what he said. For the love of Christ controls us. That Greek word for control right there means to exercise continuous and complete control over something or someone, meaning For Paul, the love of God, the love of God was so significant in his life that every decision he made, every venture he pursued was controlled by the motive of the love of God in his life. And I would submit to you this, that is the only natural, normal thing to do when you encounter the kind of love that God gives us. I mean, when you have been so utterly and totally loved as we are by the kind of love that transforms us from God, the only response is to be controlled by it. I remember not when I became a Christian, but when I really started to realize how much God loved me. I was in a, a youth camp, all right? And I was sitting there. Critter was there, actually. It was pretty funny. I was there in a youth camp, and it was the last night. And I, I, this is how much of a scumbag I was. As a Christian, I had a girl next to me that she was giving my girlfriend for the night. You know, and I was just waiting for the message to go do something I shouldn't be doing at, afterwards. And I, the, the communicator got up, and he talked about a message I heard over and over and over and over again, which was the crucifixion of Jesus. But for this time, I heard it a little bit differently. Because as he began to talk through the message, he got to the moment where Jesus is hanging on the cross, naked, in agony. And people are not there screaming his praises, but screaming curses and making fun of him. And the speaker began to illustrate this that at that moment, that is when the sin of the world rested on the perfect Lamb of God every sin. I want you to think about the weight of that moment right there. Like, think about the things that you've done that you put in the closet that you don't want anybody else to know but God knows. And when you wear them for a little bit, how heavy they are. Now imagine that plus 100 billion or however many people have ever existed, all placed on the person of Jesus. All that weight. And what we know by Scripture at that point Jesus, that God the Father was pouring out his wrath on sin in the person of Jesus. And then there's these people that he's there to save, and they are screaming at him, mocking him. The kind of people that show up to an execution to laugh at those dying. That's a dark picture. And what does Jesus say? He says, Father, forgive them. They know not what they do. I was like, are you kidding me? That would never be my response. Who loves like that? I would, I'd be like, God, I'd be like, Father, they're hurting me. They're killing me. Strike them down. I'm out of here. They don't deserve it. But God's love is different than ours. God's love comes from a perfect source of himself. It's so different that the Greeks had to give it a different name. Agape love. A love that's different than the phileo, the friendship love that we could have. Or the passion of an eros, a love for a a lover. It's a much different love that God has loved us with. And at that moment, I was like, God, you love me more than I even love myself. No one loves me like that. That you would see the darkness, the ugliness in me. And not run from me, but run to me. Even as I've been mocking you with my life. That's the kind of love that transforms and changes us. See Christians in the room? Paul was transformed by the love of God because he he began to grab the gravity and depth of God's love in such a way. And when you're loved like that, it changes you. It transforms you. In fact, Paul says it does. He says that because he's been loved in such a way, he says, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh, even those we once regarded Christ according to the flesh. We regard him thus no longer. See, when you're loved and you realize the amount that you're loved by God, it causes you to see people differently. What Paul says here is he said, there was a time that we just related to Jesus in in a physical. He was just a religious historical figure but not anymore because of the love of God. And because of the love of God, now we even see people differently than we saw them before. Before, before the love of God entered into our life and had control over our life, we saw people as something to control, something to add to our life, something goes, oh, what does this friendship mean for me and my future? Is this leading me to the life that I want? It was totally self-centered on us. But Paul says, when the love of God takes hold of our life, It transforms us to see people as eternal beings with eternal destinies. And to love them like God loves them. And because his love controls us, it transforms us. Look at verse 17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, and behold, and behold, the new has come. That when you become a Christ follower, a Christian... You know what the Word of God says about you? That you're a brand new person. You're not a 2.0 version of yourself. What the Word of God says in Ezekiel is this. Is this what he does in a believer? And I will give you a, a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove your heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and be careful to obey My rules. Who causes transformation in your life is not man, it's not you, it's not discipline, it's the presence of God. The motivation is the love of God. And what the work of God does in you is it makes you completely new. Guys, some of y'all need to hear that this morning. Because there's things you're holding on to that you aren't anymore. There's old habits you're going back to that aren't your habits anymore. So often we identify ourselves by the things that we've done or the things that we do instead of by the work that God has done. And right here he says, you are completely new, transformed. But that's not all the word of God says about us. Look at verse 18. He says, all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God has reconciled the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them, and entrusting to us a message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ. God makes his appeal through us. We employ you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. Here's the second we are statement. We are messengers of reconciliation. Write that down. When God so radically transformed us by the work of his son and has so radically loved us and then we got to a point where we had to share and we had to tell others. We couldn't just sit back. Why? Because of love. You know, after I left that camp, it was the last day. I remember getting back on the bus with a youth pastor and saying, hey, I need you to teach me how to share this with somebody. My friends need to know. And so I spent the entire bus ride remembering the Roman road. That's what he gave was like five verses. I was really dumb, so it took me a long time. And then I got on my bike, and I rode to my friend's house I used to smoke pot with. And I began sharing the gospel with them as they laughed in my face. And I didn't even care. Because I loved God, and I knew he loved me. And then he was moving me to them. Why? Why would you do that? How could you do that? Because of the love of God has given us a mission. And it compels us out, it pushes us out. The natural response of a believer who's been loved so deeply is to move forward towards others with that love. Now, what are we to do? Here's the mission he gives us right here in this passage. He said in Christ God had reconciled the world to himself not counting their trespasses against them and entrusted to us a message of reconciliation. See Christian you're not meant to save your friends, your mom, your dad, your brother. You're meant to give a message of reconciliation to those. And you're meant to do it in a certain way. In fact, this is this is embassy's passage right here. Who who lives in an embassy? Our works. Do they live in the embassy? I think they just work there. Ambassadors. Ambassador is a beautiful picture of who we are. You know what an ambassador does? An ambassador lives in a foreign land and represents a foreign kingdom. They don't speak under their own authority, but they speak only on behalf of the one who sent them. And that's really great news because that means I don't have to make it up, I don't have to foster a message. I've already been given a message. And it's not something that I have to accomplish, but it's something that Christ has already accomplished. It means that it, it has no—it has nothing to do with my qualifications for me to share. Is not based on my knowledge or my ability, but my dependence on Christ. It tells me God is calling me to be faithful, not fruitful. He's calling me to share, not to produce fruit. You know, we're we're in the Salt Network, and you probably heard Luke ten two quite a bit. Here's another way that Jesus said it in Matthew. It says, The harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out labors into his harvest. Do you notice what Jesus said in that? He didn't tell them to produce a yield. He told them to reap it. He He told them to gather it. Our call is to be faithful to share. And as ambassadors, I'm passing on a message, not producing it. It's clearly given to us. So we have been given a mission. We've been given a message. What is that message? Look at verse 21. It's for our sake. He made him to be sin who knew no sin so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Here's the last one. We are the righteousness of Christ. Christian, can you believe that? Is this how you view yourself? In spite of anything you did last year, last week, last night, this is what the word of God says about you. It's so hard for me to believe that. I mean, when I think about my past, when I think about my history, when I think about the things that I've done, but this is the word of God. This is what it says about us who are in Christ. That there's never we could look at something and say, that's too far, that's too wrong, that's beyond his reach. You don't believe me? Look at God's track record. Look at some of the people that we would think of as heroes in the faith. David had a child with another man's wife. Then got the husband drunk and tried to cover it up. And then he had him killed and took his wife. Abraham, not once but twice, offered his wife to another man in fear that if he didn't, he would die. Paul, the author of this letter, before his conversion, was spearheading the efforts to imprison and kill Christians. Not one of them did God look at and say, you're too far. In fact, he said the opposite. Because who's David? David was called a man after God's own heart. Abraham would be chosen by God to be the start of his nation. And Paul would write two-thirds of the New Testament and would church plant all over The Gentile world. You're not too far. The word of God to Paul that my grace is sufficient for you for my power is made perfect in weakness. I feel like is what many of us need to hear because when the word of God says you're the righteousness of God, that you're righteous, many of us say, yeah, but... And we start putting all of these things that we don't do, and we've forgotten it's not about what you do, it's about what God has done. Because our righteousness is not achieved by our actions before God. Our righteousness was achieved by our Savior 2,000 years ago on the cross. If you don't know that righteousness, this is what you need to understand that all of humanity is broken beyond repair, that we've all sinned, broken God's law. And in breaking God's law, we've broken relationship with God. We've walked away from him. But God was not satisfied with that story. And he came here, put on the flesh of man, lived the perfect life that we were meant to live, and then was punished in our place on the cross for sin and what Romans 10 9 and 10 tells us that if you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord then you'll be in a relationship with him and what he has done is taken on your sin and given you his righteousness he's traded rap sheets with you so that now by trusting in him you can stand before the Father righteous Claiming the life of Jesus over you, amen? That's who you are, Christian. If God views you as righteous, it's time for you to view yourself the same way. It's time for you to put aside all the things, all the names, all the stuff that you placed over your head that isn't you. It's who you used to be, but you're brand new. See, we're people that are controlled by love. We're people that have a message of reconciliation. And we're people that are righteous. Not by our works, but by God's. And I can't help but think if that truth reigned over us, how differently Bloomington would be if there was a people of a group of this size that lived out and lived into the love of God were sent out because of the love of God and walked in their true identity as righteous people of God. Let me pray. Jesus, thank you so much that your word says in Isaiah 118 that when we show up with all of our sin and our mess and we want to hide, it says, come now, let us reason together, says the Lord. Though your sins are like scarlet, they shall be as white as snow. God, help us to believe the truth. Help us to believe the truth of the scriptures that says who we are. There's always this narrative going on in our minds and our hearts that is not the word of God. It reigns over us in so many ways. Free us from that. Let us believe you more than the lies we harbor in our hearts and minds. God, let us press in to the truth of our identity instead of living in the lie of who we used to be. Jesus, we love you. We praise you. Amen. Thanks for listening. To learn more about us or to get connected, please visit embassybtown.org.